0: Hi, everybody, and welcome to the Minds on Mental Health podcast. My name's Andy Dean. I'm a licensed clinical social worker. And on today's episode, I'll be speaking with Rachel Daddio, who is a registered dietitian at Penn Medicine, Princeton House Behavioral Health's Intensive Outpatient Program. Today, Rachel discusses how different diets can affect mental health. So I hope you guys find it useful and enjoy the podcast. I don't know why you say that sparked this in me. It's just kind of a curiosity that that I have. I'm going to take us in in definitely a different direction right now. So we can go as far with this as we want to, or we cannot go into it at all. But I'm going to throw this out there and we'll see where it takes us. There are definitely some diets out there right now that are very popular. Um, And I guess I'm just wondering if there's if you know of any research that's been done regarding the correlation between those diets and mood. Um, So I'm thinking of like the keto diets. I know some people are really into the, um, I've heard of the carnivore diet recently, which is like nothing but meat. And obviously, veganism is, is a big thing right now. Vegetarianism, like, have there been studies done about how these specific diets impact mood?
1: Um, I could pick on each diet that you said, and I'm not sure how much you want me to. A lot Uh of things, a lot of things I would say is like unpopular opinion, but this is, this is how it actually is. Mm -hmm. One thing I will say not to pick on, um, vegan diets or anything like that. I know some people feel great and, and really thrive on a vegan diet, but I will say a lot of the nutritional deficiencies that I was going to talk about related to depression are common in a vegan diet. Mm Mm-hmm vegan diets they really should have a lot of supplementation and if they're if they're supplementing appropriately then that's fine but deficiencies are very common mm-hmm. in in vegan diets i really think that you don't need meat and dairy because any animal source will be a complete protein and have mm-hmm. a lot of what we need present but i really feel that if you want to just eat and not really like think too much about it you need meat or dairy. You mm-hmm. need to eat one of them. Okay. If you're if you're eating a vegan diet, people really need to be aware of what they're eating. Really make it a point to have complete proteins. Make sure they're getting their vitamins and minerals because those it's not it's not as readily present as it is in someone who's eating meat or dairy or both.
0: Mm-hmm. I, can keto, just, I can just I can feel the hate mail coming our way.
1: I know already. The keto diet <laughs> is the one that people feel like very 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 passionate about. Mm-hmm. The thing that hurts my dietitian soul about the keto diet is that diet was invented for people with non-medically treated epilepsy or inoperable brain tumors and things like that. It literally changes the fuel that our body uses to right. power our brain. And it puts your body into a disease state. Ketosis is a disease state. It's not it's not a healthy thing for our body to be in. It's very taxing on our organs. I'm really curious what the long-term implications of this keto craze is gonna be. Mm-hmm. I know that I've had patients during my internship that went keto and I was I was on a cardiac unit. And people were having major heart attacks. Yeah, I will say from my experience, most people who say they're doing a keto diet, their fat content is not as high as it really needs to be to actually be on a keto diet, which is the only reason I can sleep at night during this, this keto craze. Uh-huh. More people tend to just be eating like a low carb, higher protein diet, which there's nothing wrong with that. One thing I will say, and I hate to say it with all these extreme diets, but it is true. Any diet works, but are they sustainable? And that's the thing. Like finding something that you can do long term, that you're still happy, that you're you can eat the foods that you enjoy, that'll that's what'll work for you. But any anything works, it's just a matter of like what you can stick to. I know people say we don't our like our bodies don't require carbohydrates, but when is that optimal? Mm-hmm. You know, and our brains are meant to run on glucose. Right so
0: man i we're getting hate mail from all all different directions <laughs> in this one so the keto the keto people are gonna be on us the vegan people are gonna be on us um
1: I, I'm sorry I just think anything that's an extreme like you might you might get results from it but is it sustainable right. and you know vegans I would say like a vegan diet fits in this category the least because some people are lifelong vegans and they do a great job with it and they're aware of like what deficiencies are common and some people really do a great job with it other people like i've had patients who their hair was falling out because they were so vitamin deficient mm-hmm. they were so lacking in protein like things like that and it's just anything if you do it things can be done the right way but a lot of these like extreme things people are not doing it the right way right
0: that and that's sense. the problem yeah
1: i mean how many people see a dietitian to get this guidance mm-hmm. very few
0: right i guess i just wanted to get back to the question of specific to mental health and mood and these diets. Do you know anything specifically about any research that's been done there, specifically to depression, anxiety, mental health issues? Do you know of any research or anything on those areas? And I know that's a very specific question. So if you don't necessarily know, that's fine.
1: Well, like I said, the a lot of the vitamin deficiencies that we do see related to depression mm, mm-hmm. are common in a vegan diet. Right. Um, I will say that the cycling that's very common in these very restricting restrictive diets, where you fall off the wagon and yeah. you start again on Monday, that is very detrimental for mental health. That's exactly
0: what I was thinking. Yeah, okay.
1: and you know things like that. It, it's not like I'm going to say eating a keto diet or eating a carnivore, carnivore diet. It's it's bad for your mental health. But mm-hmm. like those, that restriction is not is not good. Like imagine someone who eats a very restrictive diet like how do you have social events and things like that like you might be able to like really really make it work but it's not you can't just like go out for your friends like with your friends a normal a normal way like go to a birthday party like go to a family affair things like that it's it's going to be very different
0: makes total sense and and i think that that's exactly sort of what i had in my head and so i'm glad that you brought it up Not so much that there's there even necessarily needs to be all this research into like what different neurotransmitters are or aren't being produced versus with this diet versus this diet. But it's more like if a diet is super restrictive and like you said, you you keep falling off the wagon, then I mean, it's just common sense that then that's going to affect your mood because, you know, you're disappointed in yourself. Maybe, you know, you feel like a failure. All the things that typically come up when people can't maintain a diet and that's just not good for you for your mental health for obvious reasons.
1: Right. And I will, I'll take this a step further. I'm not sure if you've heard of the term orthorexia. It's a new eating disorder where it's not necessarily in the way we think of eating disorders, where it's like someone starving themselves, someone maybe um, purging, someone Mm -hmm. binge eating, things like that. But it's an unhealthy focus on eating in what is considered a healthy way to the point where it's disrupting your normal functioning, your normal day-to-day mm-hmm. functioning. Mm-hmm. And it's it's a diagnosed problem that people are experiencing because they get so, I'm going to use the word obsessed, mm-hmm. with eating a certain way to the point where it's affecting their day-to-day life. So it's one thing if someone wants to be healthy or like, you know, even if someone wants to lose weight, if someone's experiencing a health issue and they're really focusing on cleaning up their eating, but to become so obsessed with it that you can't function day-to-day because this is your number one priority, that is... That's obviously where it becomes a problem.
0: Right. And again, I mean, so much of what we're talking about is going back to like this moderation idea. And here it's the same thing. It's like, yeah, you want to eat as many healthy foods as you can, but also you want to just eat foods that you like to eat once in a while. And here it's the same kind of thing. Like, yeah, you want to try to eat healthy foods and try to make good decisions for your body, but at the same time, we don't want it to become obsessive we don't want it to become something that we're an idea that we're completely like taken over by
1: right exactly and we want to be healthy but we also don't want it to be what we live every day around mm-hmm. i'm telling you to think about what you eat more but the purpose of that is to think less like eat when you're hungry stop when you're full eat mm-hmm. what you want to eat these quote-unquote like bad foods are these these restricted foods that people often don't allow themselves to eat like bacon. in the long run mm-hmm. Right, like bacon, like cookies, like ice cream. Someone got famous. They wrote about, I can't remember their name, but they wrote about the cookie dough diet mm-hmm. where she just decided, like she always craved cookie dough and craved cookie dough and craved cookie dough to the point where eventually she'd cave and eat an entire sleeve of cookie dough. And this would happen mm-hmm. regularly, like in a cycle. So one day she just told herself, you know what, I'm just gonna eat the cookie dough when I want it. And she actually found that she was eating less and less and less of it because it wasn't it wasn't off limits.
0: Mm-hmm. Right.
1: Her quality of life was better because she wasn't constantly mad at herself she wasn't constantly restricting and caving she wasn't constantly failing and a lot of these diets just set you up for failure
0: all right so we kind of went off on a a bit of a tangent on these diets but i think that was actually a really useful conversation to have i think one thing that i heard you say before is that you know people have a tendency to think that mental health issues are just kind of something that happened in your head but really there's an organic component to it and i guess i'm wondering if you can just elaborate on that a little bit like what are there certain vitamins and minerals minerals that play a real role in this? Or I don't know. I think you know what I'm getting at. So what did you mean?
1: Right. So um, we talked about vitamin D a little bit earlier, but there are so many others that have been shown to really play a role in depression. And I think Mm -hmm. it's so important to realize, like these things can be tested and and clinically seen. Like it's not just like a mental health issue is something that's wrong with someone's head. Like there's a cause and effect. So – um, for example, um, zinc deficiency has been related to depression, and zinc is something that modulates synaptic synaptic transmission. So this could affect the transmission of those neurotransmitters we were talking about before, specifically serotonin, mm-hmm. and. We've been seeing lower blood levels of zinc in those with major depression than individuals who report having no depression.
0: As much as I would love to sit here and pretend that I know what synaptic transmission means, um, <laughs> that's just not the case. So, what what exactly are we talking about? It sounds like, uh, I mean, basically how it gets how it travels through your body. Is that right?
1: Right. So. Um, Neurotransmitters, like it mm-hmm. has the word transmitter in it. Right. It's sending it from one nerve ending to another. And these, um, it basically passes a gap called the synapse, and zinc helps send it, basically.
0: Interesting. So, okay.
1: by having enough zinc in the system, it's just having that communication there cell to cell.
0: Right. Okay.
1: Um, another one is selenium. So, selenium is really important when it comes to um, mood regulation. So selenium supplements have been found to improve mood levels in those with depression, and that's just the supplement in itself. Mm -hmm. Um, Again, we have magnesium, and that plays a role in something called hypothalamic pituitary adrenal axis, which plays a role in the body's reaction to stress. So magnesium is important for mood and emotional regulation. Mm -hmm. So these are all things that Again, like being deficient in any of these minerals is not not a positive thing anyway. There's no reason why supplementation in something that you're deficient in is a negative thing. Mm -hmm. But if it's also – it can improve your health, but it could also improve your mental health. Like this is definitely something that should be, in my opinion, should be looked at. If someone's complaining of depression, like – there are a lot of times we listen, there could be something where someone died, or you experienced a trauma or something terrible happened, and you're you're feeling depression because of that. But there could also just be an organic reason of why you're feeling this depression. And if we look at treating those reasons, it could be a lot more um like beneficial, and a lot more effective than this trial and error with a lot of these medications that we still don't have down. I mean, I don't want to say it's not down to a science. We know exactly what to do. But again, everybody metabolizes these things differently, and everyone reacts differently.
0: Totally. Um, yeah, I think something I heard once was that, you know, if you're noticing a true, a true change in your mental health, it's great. A great place to start is just with your kind of your physical health and going to the doctor and getting some blood work done to see if you are deficient in any of these things. Um, and then if you start supplementing with that and that's not – or trying to get more foods in your diet that have these things in them and that's not really helping, well, then maybe you can look into medications and, and other things. Um, but like you said, there, there's real no, there's really no downside to trying to get more of these things into your diet uh, for your mental health or your physical health if you're deficient in them. There's just not.
1: Right. And once again, too um... – these these deficiencies addressing them can also improve the effectiveness of antidepressants right so it's not it's not a one or the other thing you could you could use it together to have a better reaction as
0: well makes total sense but i guess if we can just bring it back to sort of general considerations that you have or that you bring up with clients in terms of nutrition and their mental health what are some other things that generally come up when we're talking about nutrition and mental health
1: i would say Another problem that I see very often is people either restricting and not eating very often throughout the day or literally just being too busy to eat for seven, eight hours. And, you know, those blood sugar drops can absolutely have an effect on your, not only your mood at the time, but it also has an effect on your, I don't want to say self-control, but then it gets to the point where you're ravenously hungry and people tend to... Right, like they tend to just eat and one, like not even even kind of absorb what they ate. They look down and their food is gone and kind of didn't even realize what they just did. Mm -hmm. But they, you know, people tend to overeat at that point and then they tend to not feel well afterwards and it just – causes this very negative cycle. You know, people are constantly, not that weight is the number one thing in the world, but that's a big problem. You know, you think not eating is actually helpful to your weight, but it has this rebound effect where it actually is very detrimental. It's detrimental for our our hunger hormones, like our insulin and glucagon. It's detrimental for our blood sugar, our moods overall. And so I would say another very common problem that I have with people is people really shouldn't go more than three to four hours without eating. And, you know, even if it's just a little snack, like you mm-hmm. keep a bar in your car, like something, or like a protein shake from the fridge, like just just anything, like just something to keep to keep your body going mm-hmm. instead of having those long gaps.
0: So again, I mean, just throwing this disclaimer out there because I, I know mm-hmm. this is also how you feel. Like we realize how hard this is to do sometimes, but just in general, skipping meals is not ideal because it does have, like you said, it has, you have those blood sugar drops. And then obviously that, that affects your mood. Is that basically what you're saying?
1: Right. And again, like sometimes it's intentional and sometimes it's literally just you're busy. Right. But I just think planning ahead could be very helpful. So like, um, if you have like a briefcase or a purse, like throw a couple bars in there, Mm. like keep some, keep something in your desk at work, keep a couple things in the glove box in your car, Mm -hmm. just something to grab and go. Everything doesn't have to be like a sit down big, think about that, you know?
0: So I guess I'm curious from a dietitian standpoint, from your standpoint, what do you think about intermittent fasting? Because that's also something that's sort of out there a lot right now. Uh, and basically the whole point of that is to not eat for 12 hours. I think, is it 12 hours? Some people do 12, some people do 16, but it would be like, you know, you have your last meal of the day at five o'clock and then you don't eat again until the next day at, you know, 9am or 10am or whatever. How do you feel about that? That's sort of – I find that that's out there more in, like, the pop culture world.
1: So when it comes to intermittent fasting, it's been studied very extensively and controlled for a lot of outside factors besides the actual eating window. And it really just comes down to a calorie deficit Mm -hmm. that when people are eating – within that smaller window, whether it's 12 hours, eight hours, six hours, or like one meal a day, people are just eating less calories in that window. There's no magic, anything that happens when you eat a meal later in the day or stop eating earlier in the day. It's just you're eating less calories in the day. And honestly, that's what every diet comes down to. Even the keto diet, when they're eating high fat, like it comes down to eating less calories in the day, Mm -hmm. eating below Mm -hmm. your maintenance level of calories, which will reduce your weight.
0: Right, and again, like the big takeaway from what I heard you say about the intermittent fasting thing is just the the blood sugar spikes and like wanting to have sort of a stable um, a stable level of that throughout the day. And the way that you do that is basically by eating. And I've heard this advice too, but like smaller meals spread out throughout the day.
1: Right, and again, that just comes down to keeping yourself in the frame of mind that you. Have more control over what you're eating. So many mm. people get to the point like we use the term "hangry," yeah, yeah. where you just you really just lose control of your emotions, of mm-hmm. your you know. And people say things like, "I could eat a horse." Like you shouldn't get to that point, even if it's just a matter of having a little snack to stop yourself from feeling ha- having that out of control feeling. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's something that I heard and it's like, did you fail the diet? Did you fail the diet or did the diet fail you? A lot of these things, you're really just setting yourself up for failure. There's a reason why not eating for 16 hours or 20 hours is a novel concept. Like we're not meant to do that. Right. You know, like there's a reason why it, it, it hasn't really been done. Like you are meant to eat. You're meant to fuel your body. The problem is most people, they're not looking at eating like as a way to fuel their body. They're either looking at like, people are scared to eat people put you know people put too much stock in food like maybe they're eating their feelings like it's it's become so emotionally tied because it's something that in our society has become taboo like are you eating too much are you eating the wrong thing are you eating at the wrong time like and and they just put so much pressure on eating that should just be one of the easiest things that we do like when we're hungry we eat when we're full we stop and that's really it
0: makes total sense I'm not going to lie to you, Rachel, I'm actually a little hangry right now, so I think this is probably a good place to stop, but I'm definitely having you back on because I really enjoyed this conversation, so thank you so much for being here.
1: Yeah, no problem, thank you for having me.